Before we come to PMQs, I wish to remind members of what I said last week. I want concise, focused questions so we get through the list. I want much less barracking and heckling of members, and that behaviour is discourteous and does nothing to enhance the reputation of our House or its ability to scrutinise the Prime Minister. I expect members to reference each other in a courteous and orderly fashion. Finally, I want to welcome to our gallery the Ukraine Ambassador. Your Excellency, we generally do not allow applause in this chamber. <laughs> but on this occasion, the House quite rightly <laughs> wants to demonstrate our respect and support for your country and its people in the most difficult of times. <laughs> Before we start, I would like to point out the British Sign Language interpretation proceedings available to watch on Parliament Live TV. We now come to questions, Prime Minister. I call Graham Stewart. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Question one. Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, yesterday I was in Warsaw and Tallinn, reaffirming our commitment to NATO and our solidarity with Ukraine. Putin has gravely miscalculated. In his abhorrent assault on a sovereign nation, he has underestimated the extraordinary fortitude of the Ukrainian people and the unity and resolve of the free world in standing up to his barbarism. The UN General Assembly will vote later today, and we call on every nation to join us in condemning Russia and demanding that Putin turn his tanks around. If instead Putin doubles down, then so shall we, further ratcheting up economic pressure and supporting Ukraine with finance, with weapons and with humanitarian assistance. Today, the Disasters and Emergency Committee is launching its Ukraine appeal. And every pound donated by the British people will be matched by the government, starting with £20 million. Yeah. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Reb Stewart. Men, women, children, terrorised, murdered and maimed. Indiscriminate munitions unleashed on civilian populations with a total disregard both for international law and human life. Can my right honourable friend assure the House that we will accelerate the transfer of military supplies to the Ukrainians and maintain this country's proud record of support for refugees fleeing war? I thank my right honourable friend, and I I hope I can say that uh, I speak for the whole House when I uh, spoke to President Volodymyr Zelensky this morning and I told him, uh, Mr. Speaker, that we would indeed do everything we can to accelerate our transfer of the uh, shipments that he 
uh, described of the weapons that, that he describes, uh, and the UK, as the House knows, was uh, the first European country to send uh, such defensive weaponry, and we are certainly determined to do everything we can to help Ukrainians fleeing the theatre of conflict. We now come to the Leader of the Opposition, the Right Honourable Keir Starmer. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. I am very glad the Ambassador is here so he can hear me repeat what I have said to him privately on a number of occasions, and that is that this House and this country stand united in our support for the Ukrainian people in the face of Russian aggression. And we are all appalled by the shocking footage that has emerged over the last few days. We must stand up to Putin and those who prop up his regime. Mr Speaker, Roman Abramovich is the owner of Chelsea Football Club and various other high-value assets in the United Kingdom. He is a person of interest to the Home Office because of his links to the Russian state and his public association with corrupt activity and practices. Last week, the Prime Minister said that Abramovich is facing sanctions. He later corrected the record to say that he isn't. Well, why on earth isn't he? Uh, Mr Speaker, it's not appropriate for me to comment on individual uh, cases at this stage. Uh, but, uh, and it is, but what I can say, uh, and, and, and I, I, I stand, Mr Speaker, by what I've uh, said in the House and, uh, and what we've put on the record. Uh, but uh, be in no doubt that the actions that we've already taken, that this House has already taken, are having an effect in, uh, in Moscow. And by exposing the ownership of properties of, of companies in the way that we are, uh, by sanctioning uh, 275 uh, individuals already, a further 100 uh, last week, uh, the, the impact is being felt. And what we will uh, publish in addition, uh, Mr Speaker, is a full list of all those associated uh, with the Putin uh, regime. Uh, of course, we have already announced sanctions on Putin and Lavrov uh, themselves. Uh, I can tell the House that the, uh, they will have heard what uh, the President of the United States had to say last night. Uh, the vice is tightening on the Putin regime, and it will continue to tighten. Pierre Starmer. I hear what the Prime Minister says and the way in which he puts it, and I hope that I may mean we will see some action in the near future. Uh, last week, Putin summoned to the Kremlin the cronies who prop up his regime. They dipped their hands in the blood of Putin's war. Among them was Igor Shuvalov, Putin's former deputy prime minister. Shuvalov owns two flats, not five minutes' walk from this house. They're worth over 11 million pounds. He is on the EU sanctions list, but he's not on the UK sanctions list. Uh, when will the Prime Minister sort this out? Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, I think the House should be proud of what we have done already, and, and, and I, can, I can tell him uh, that uh, the, there is more to be done, and thanks to the powers that uh, this House and this Government has taken, uh, we can sanction any individual, any company uh, connected, connected with the Putin regime. And this government was uh, amongst the first in Europe to, to ban Aeroflot, uh, Mr. Speaker, from our skies. Uh, this government led, led the way last week in banning uh, the use of SWIFT, Mr. Speaker. And, 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 and if he talked to, to all, any of our European partners, uh, he would uh, understand the, the leading role the UK has already played and the impact, the impact 
that those sanctions are already having in Moscow. And as I've, as I've told him, the squeeze is growing and it will continue to grow on the Putin regime. Starmer. Uh, Mr Speaker, I support the measures that have been taken so far. Uh, the ownership of Shuvalov's flats is registered under Sova Real Estate, which is actually owned by Shuvalov and his wife. We only know which oligarch lurks beneath that shell company because of the information obtained and disclosed by Alexei Navalny. Navalny, of course, was poisoned by the Russian state, and he now sits in a Putin jail. Transparency is essential to rooting out corruption. It should be built into our law but it's not. And I'm ashamed that we only know about Shuvalov's Westminster flats because a dissident risked his life. Is the Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I repeat uh, that the, the UK, uh, of course, uh, is doing everything that we can to expose ill-gotten uh, Russian loot. And this has been something that uh, we've been working on for a, a long time. That we actually were the first to impose sanctions on those who, uh, poisoned, uh, who are guilty for the poisoning of Alexei Navalny that he mentions. But what we are bringing forward now is, is the exposure of the ownership of properties in London in a, uh, and across the whole of the UK in a way that has not been possible before and uh, that I believe will continue to tighten the noose around Putin's regime. But be in no doubt, it was the UK, uh, Mr Speaker, that led the way on putting sanctions on the Russian Central Bank, uh, on putting sanctions on Russian banks altogether, and, and, and I'm afraid uh, that we're still out in advance of, of several of our friends and partners. We want them to go further. I believe that they will, and we will continue to put pressure, Mr Speaker, uh, ineluctable pressure on the Putin regime. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister refers to the long overdue economic crime bill, which, to be clear, we support and will vote through on Monday with speed. The key plank to that bill is a register of who truly owns property in the United Kingdom. But it doesn't come into force for existing owners like Shuvalov until 18 months after the bill passes. At best, that's autumn 2023. Far too long for the Ukrainian people. Why are we giving Putin's cronies 18 months to quietly launder their money out of the UK property market and into another safe haven? Mr Speaker, the impact of what the UK is doing uh, and, which, and the impact of the... And I think the whole House should be proud of what we have done because we have, we have led the way on this. We led the way on SWIFT, we led the way on Aeroflot, we led the way on freezing the assets of banks. And, and, and if, you, if you ask about the speed of results, Mr Speaker, I can tell him that on Thursday, the Russian stock market fell by $250 billion worth of assets that were wiped off. Uh, the, ruble, uh, fell, the ruble fell by about 40%. We're now in the third day, Mr Speaker, in which the Russian stock market has not been able to open. That is thanks to the package of global sanctions, or world, uh, Western sanctions, that the UK has led in enforcing on the Putin regime. And I think uh, he should acknowledge that. Stop. I have acknowledged it, and I do again. What I'm offering is support to speed this up. Yes. On Monday, the Prime Minister knows he has the House with him when this economic crime bill goes through. We could do this on Monday at speed, and I think the whole House would welcome that. So it's an invitation to work together, Prime Minister. Uh, the Business Department published a white paper this week 
It rightly sets out that the UK's companies register is being exploited to further the interests of the UK's enemies to help them move stolen money into the West. But the same department on the very same day published an economic crime bill which did nothing to address this, leaving Companies House untouched and still exploited. So will the Prime Minister work with us to amend the bill on Monday to include the most basic reforms like identity checks for directors? As I've said, Mr Speaker, we are bringing forward at uh, uh, an accelerated pace measures to whip aside the veil of anonymity of those who own assets in this country and, uh, and those who own property in this country. And furthermore, Mr Speaker, we are going to be publishing uh, a list of all those uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, who, are, uh, who are, have assets that are, that are related to the Putin regime. I am delighted by the support uh, that the Right Honourable Gentleman is offering. Uh, if we can work together uh, to make sure that we strengthen and accelerate the package, then all the better. Mr Speaker, we will work in that spirit and bring forward amendments on Monday to try and achieve all the ends that I have identified in these questions. And I think this can be voted through on Monday at speed with the full support of the House. I am very pleased that we can show that unity with the Ambassador here watching us. In this week of darkness, we have seen glimmers of hope in the resolve of Ukraine, in the unity of our allies and in the bravery of Russian protesters. They remind us that the Russian people are not our enemy. They are the victims of thieves who have stolen their wealth and stolen their chance of democracy. For too long, Britain has been a safe haven for stolen money. Putin thinks that we are too corrupted to do the right thing and put an end to it. Does the Prime Minister agree that this House and this country stands united in our support for Ukraine, and now is the time to sanction every oligarch and crack open every shell company so we can prove Putin wrong. Yeah. Uh, yes, Mr. Speaker, and that, that's why this government has brought forward the unprecedented uh, measures that uh, that we have. And uh, if, if I, if I, if I, and I, and I know that. Uh, and I know that uh, the whole House will, will agree with me that nothing, nothing we do in rooting out corruption and corrupt money in, in London or any other capital should for one minute, and I want to agree with him very strongly, should for one minute distract from where the true blame for this crisis lies, which is wholly and exclusively and entirely with Vladimir Putin and, and, his, and his regime. And I can, and I'm glad that the uh, the benches opposite are resolved as we are that Putin must fail in his venture, uh, and that uh, that we must ensure, uh, Mr. Speaker, that we protect a sovereign, free, and independent Ukraine. And that is what we are going to do. And with the unity of this House, Mr. Speaker, with the continued heroism, with the continued heroism and resolve of the Ukrainian people, which is so amazing. Uh, that we have seen over the last few days, and with the unity of the West that we are seeing, which I think has also taken aback President Putin, I have no doubt at all, Mr Speaker, that he will fail and that we will succeed in protecting Ukraine. He'll perish. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, for Mr Speaker. Um, can I, first of all, say the, how brave the, the Ukrainian people are, and they have our full support across the whole House. Can I also commend the Prime Minister and the Government for the excellent actions we have taken so far? 
Ukraine is very much the breadbasket of the world, and it grows much wheat. And so, therefore, Prime Minister, I think we need to have, make sure there is food security and also security of global food supply. So would the Prime Minister agree with me that we need also to look to the, our production in this country to make sure that we can maintain good standard of food production and enhance our food production in order to keep good food and affordable food for the future? Uh, yes, my honourable friend knows, knows whereof he speaks. Uh, Mr Speaker, he is a, a great uh, advocate of, uh, of, of UK food and farming, and uh, that's why we're increasing the Farming Investment Fund uh, to £48 million. We have a massive opportunity, particularly uh, for UK fruit and vegetables. We now come to the leader of the SNP, Ian Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I join you in welcoming the Ukrainian ambassador to our proceedings? Mr Speaker, with every passing hour, the world is witnessing the horrors of Putin's war in Ukraine. In Kherson, a family of five, a mother, her parents, her six-year-old daughter and her baby son were murdered in cold blood by Russian troops. In the same city, a 12-year-old boy watched his mother die as he desperately attempted to save her from the rubble of her own home. These are war crimes happening in Europe right now. Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one day soon, Putin must face justice in The Hague. Mm -hmm. Mr. Speaker, to prosecute Putin and his regime, the full range of war crime charges need to be used, including the crime of aggression by a state. Yeah. But the UK has always refused to sign up to the prosecution of this crime in international law. Surely, with Putin's crime of aggression in plain and horrific sight in Ukraine, now is the time to drop that opposition. Will the Prime Minister meet with me to discuss this? And will he amend the UK War Crimes Act? And will he support the ICC prosecution for Putin for his crimes of aggression against the people of Ukraine? Yeah. Uh, well, Mr Speaker, I'm in principle, of course, happy to uh, meet the, the Royal Gentleman at any stage. But I can tell him that uh, what we have seen already uh, from Vladimir Putin's regime in the use of the munitions that they have already been, uh, been dropping on, as, on innocent civilians, uh, Mr Speaker, uh, in my view, already fully qualifies as, as, as a war crime. And I know that the, uh, that the ICC prosecutor is already investigating, and I'm sure the whole House uh, will support that. I thank the Prime Minister for that answer. And let's work together across this House to make sure that Putin is prosecuted, that he is held to yeah, account. Yeah. Mr Speaker, just as we seek to punish and prosecute Putin for his crimes, we need to help the Ukrainian people right now. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians are fleeing the horrors of this war, and they desperately need refuge and sanctuary. The UN estimates that well over half a million Ukrainian refugees need urgent help, most of them women and children. This is a moment for Europe to stand united in the face of Putin's war. The European Union have acted and waived all visa requirements for Ukrainian refugees. The UK government stands alone on our continent in so far refusing to do the same. Nicola Sturgeon, Scotland's First Minister, has made clear our country stands ready to open our borders and our hearts to the people of the Ukraine, but the UK government must bring down the barriers. Will the Prime Minister join with our European partners and waive all visa requirements for the people of Ukraine who are fleeing war? Yeah. Uh, 
Mr Speaker, the, the EU already, because of its Schengen border-free zone, has its own uh, arrangements with uh, Ukraine. They've differed uh, for a long time from those of the, of the UK. But what we do have is a, uh, a plan, Mr Speaker, uh, to be as generous as we possibly can to the people of Ukraine. And the numbers that uh, will come just under our family reunion scheme uh, could be in the hundreds of thousands, to, to say nothing of the special new path that we're opening up uh, for those uh, coming, the humanitarian path. Uh, Mr Speaker, that is also uncapped. And I think that's the right thing to do. What we won't do, Mr Speaker, is, uh, is simply abandon all checks. Uh, we don't think that that is sensible, uh, particularly in view of the security concerns, the, 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 concerns, the, the reasonable security concerns uh, about people coming uh, from that theatre of war. James Daly. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. On the 28th of July last year, every Labour councillor in Bury voted in favour of Andy Burnham's plan to impose a 493-square-mile clean-air charging zone upon my constituents and the residents of Greater Manchester. The Mayor's plan, attacks on jobs and opportunity, is based upon flawed data and should be scrapped. Does my right honourable friend agree? Yes, Mr Speaker. And is it somebody who uh, once had to deal with a badly thought-out uh, 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 low-emission zone uh, before? Uh, it, is abs- it is totally wrong to uh, impose measures thoughtlessly that damage business and don't do very much to protect clean air. And I think, uh, I think the, mayor of, the Mayor of Manchester has done the wrong thing, and I'm glad that we're delaying. And I, I congratulate my honourable friend and other local Conservative MPs in the Manchester area who have shown common sense, Mr Speaker. My Wales-based constituent works for the British International School in the Ukraine. The school employs 60 British citizens, most of whom thankfully escaped via a bus over the weekend. Now, I heard the Prime Minister's response earlier on to my colleague from the SNP, the leader of the SNP. But given the lack of a humanitarian corridor, yeah, exactly. 173 Ukrainian colleagues from that school are stuck in Kiev and Dnipro and ineligible for the Home Office's humanitarian sponsorship pathway due to the school being domiciled in the Ukraine. Wales aspires to be a nation of sanctuary. Our neighbours in Ireland have waived all visa requirements for three years. Why won't he allow us to provide the same humanitarian welcome? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thank her very much, and I, and I, I, I understand, I'm obviously I know the whole house will want to help the 173 uh, that she she mentions in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, I think the arrangements that we have are right, and uh, they will be very generous, and they already are very generous indeed. Uh, and I think the house should be proud, by the way, of what the UK has already done uh, to take people, to take vulnerable people. I think we've taken more vulnerable people uh, since 2015 fleeing uh, theatres of conflict than any other country in Europe. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. The the nurses and doctors working at Warrington Hospital in my constituency provide selfless care for families living in some of the most deprived areas of England, where life expectancy is 12 years lower than that of the national average. At the same time, population has expanded, with thousands of new homes being built in Warrington, putting pressure on services, particularly at the General Hospital. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that tackling health inequalities is key to levelling up? And will he support my campaign for a new hospital in Warrington? Uh, Mr Speaker, I, I, I'm, 
And I know that this government is building a record number of, of hospitals, uh, as a total of, of 48 that we're building across uh, the country. Uh, I am forbidden, I'm, unfortunately, from uh, preempting the application process that I know his, uh, his wonderful hospital is going through. But I'm wishing him every possible success. Judith Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Prime Minister, the situation in Ukraine continues to appall most of the world yeah, and yeah. shames the rest, yeah. and importantly highlights the need to break our economic dependency both on Russia and on China. Does the Prime Minister agree that, that our national security must be protected and our food, energy, cyber and national infrastructure must be secure both now and in the future from hostile yeah, yeah. governments? Specifically, will he commit to a real hydrogen strategy that both industry and trade unions like the GMB are calling for by doubling the hydrogen production target for 2030? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, I thank her very much. I think a very far-sighted question, and that's exactly what we should be, uh, be doing. And We are moving to much more uh, energy resilience and, and self-reliance. I think it was a shame uh, that the party opposite cancelled uh, uh, so much of our nuclear power whilst they were whilst they were in, or failed to uh, failed to develop it, Mr. Speaker. But I think uh, the agenda that she is the agenda that she is setting is absolutely right, including hydrogen. Ruth Edwards. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Last September, my constituent Dylan Rich, who was a talented 17-year-old footballer, tragically collapsed and died during a youth FA Cup game. His family and his club, the West Bridgeford Colts, raised money in his honour to buy more defibrillators on site, but were faced with a VAT bill of hundreds of pounds on each life-saving device. Will my right honourable friend commit to reviewing the VAT on commercial defibrillators to bring them in line with the zero rate applied to other medical instruments? And will he meet with me, Dylan's family and his club, to discuss this much-needed change. Yeah. Uh, I, I thank her very much, and I think the whole House will want to uh, echo uh, my condolences to Dylan's friends and, and family. And she raises a very um, important and emotive issue. Uh, defibrillators at the moment are, are, are bought uh, through voluntary co- contributions and donated to charities that may be eligible uh, for VAT relief, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, but I, I'm very happy to meet with her to discuss the matter further. Will the Prime Minister instruct the Conservative Party to give to Ukrainian humanitarian causes the £2 million they've accepted from Lubov Chanukin? This includes £80,000 referred to in data released today by the Electoral Commission. Now, I know he doesn't want to tar everyone with Russian links with the same brush, and neither do I. But leaked documents... They might want to listen to the question, Mr Speaker. Leaked documents show that Vladimir Chanukin received $8 million from a Russian Member of Parliament, an ally of Putin, who was later sanctioned by the United States. Mr Speaker, this is an opportunity for the Conservative Party and for the Prime Minister to end the suspicion of conflicts of interest with Putin whilst showing solidarity with the Ukrainian people. It is absolutely vital, Mr Speaker, if we are to have a successful outcome in what we are trying to do collectively, united with Ukraine, that we demonstrate that this is not about the Russian people, Mr Speaker. This is about the Putin regime. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does my right honourable friend agree that choices always have consequences? Putin has chosen, he has chosen to inflict death and destruction on the people of Ukraine and must be made to pay. 
but others, including those in the Russian military and Russian oligarchs, could still choose to be on the right side of history. Will my right honourable friend and other world leaders tell them to make the right choice and to make it soon, because in this conflict, time is life? I think my, my right honourable friend has made a very powerful and important point, and I do hope that the, uh, those who have uh, any links with the, uh, the Putin regime, whatever, anybody, uh, any, any so-called oligarchs, all those, that he, uh, all those who are in any way associated with the regime, take this opportunity, as some have, as some brave individuals already have, to dissociate themselves from this barbaric invasion. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Two weeks ago, in a letter to the Prime Minister, I outlined that over half a million people in the UK are immunocompromised, and to them the idea of living with COVID is frightening, and many charities such as the MS Society are not reassured by the government's lifting of restrictions around free testing and isolation. (coughs) So does the Prime Minister agree with me that in order to protect this group, free COVID-19 testing must continue? and include their families and friends, as well as any unpaid carers, so that they can really be allowed to live with COVID. I thank and as I said to her, I think uh, last week, uh, it is absolutely essential that those who are immunocompromised, the uh, the clinically extremely vulnerable, continue to have access to to free testing uh, and uh, all the therapies and antivirals that they need. Close question, Bob Seeley. Well, please, Mr Speaker. Sorry, forgive me, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. I thank my honourable friend for his question. We're carefully reviewing uh, responses to our recent consultation on a range of legislative proposals to counter state threats, including foreign agents' registration. Uh, we will update Parliament uh, in due course. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I'd like to thank the Ukrainian ambassador, Dobrodin, Drugmoy, Ujami Pasol. The benefits of the rest of the House, please. I just said thank you to him and thank you, sir. Key oligarchs enforce the Kremlin's hybrid conflict. In Britain, one of its aims is to ensure safe passage for money flows offshore, whilst law firms intimidate into silence those who would investigate, be it the media or even the National Crime Agency. Does the Prime Minister understand that this is how state corruption happens, and this is systemic, planned subversion? Does he realise the seriousness of what has been happening to the law firms and the finance companies in recent years? I, I think he's raising a very, a, a very important point, and uh, the. Uh, law firms in this country are regulated by the Solicitors Regulation Authority. Uh, they were reminded on the 23rd of February of the need to comply with sanctions uh, regulations and uh, legislation, and uh, there are regular checks to ensure that they are doing so. They have responsibilities under that regime to safeguard the UK and to protect the reputation of the United Kingdom legal services industry, and clearly uh, they will face sanctions if they, face to do, if they fail to do so. Chris Brown. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Putin is the only enemy. But I do feel ashamed. The United Kingdom signed the Budapest Accord in 1994, guaranteeing the territorial yes, integrity of Ukraine. 
23 men who once sat on these benches gave their lives for plucky little Belgium. They have shields down that end. 22 did the same for Poland. They have shields down this end. And we're not guaranteeing the territorial integrity of Ukraine. We're not even, I don't want war, nobody wants war, but we're not even sanctioning Sergei Shoigu, the Russian defence minister yet, nor Igor Osipov, the commander of the Black Sea Fleet, or Osmanov, Sechin, Peskov, Abramovich, Roldugin, or the members of the Russian Duma who voted for this war. Why don't we use parliamentary privilege to get this out there so the lawyers can't attack the sanctions that we must surely bring rapidly today? Mr Speaker, I, I, I hear him and I know, I know that the whole uh, House uh, will understand his, his feelings and his frustration that, uh, that no country in the West is going directly to the support of the Ukrainians with, uh, with direct military assistance. And, uh, and that is a, a reality that we simply have to accept because the consequences, the consequences of a direct confrontation between uh, the UK and, uh, and Russia would be, I think, and indeed other Western countries and Russia, would not be easy to control. And if I can repeat the, the point I made earlier, I think they would play directly into Putin's narrative. That this is about, that he says it's about him versus the West. He says it's about him uh, versus NATO. We say it's about him versus the Ukrainian people, Mr. Speaker. And that's, uh, uh, that is, I'm afraid, the difference. And as for his, as for his, as for his, as for what he says about, uh, about shame, actually, I'm proud of what the UK has been able to do so far. I'm, I'm proud uh, that we, I'm proud that we've, we've given a lead not just on sanctions, Mr Speaker, uh, where we insisted on the toughest measures, including uh, for SWIFT, which had a dramatic effect, but also we were in the lead, Mr Speaker, in uh, all European countries in offering military assistance to Ukraine, and we will continue to do so. Uh, I know that uh, he would like to go further. I understand, if I understand him correctly, uh, he would like to go further, but I can tell the House uh, that we are going to continue to go further, not just with military assistance, but also by tightening the vice on the Putin regime. Mr Speaker, in addition to the tragedy in Ukraine, I know the Prime Minister also wants to slash red tape to make Britain more internationally competitive. David Cameron succeeded, but after he left, we abandoned his proven one-in-two-out regime and added billions in red tape costs instead. Last month's benefits of Brexit document repeats the mistake, vetoing one-in-two-out for another toothless regime. Can I urge the Prime Minister to step in before it's too late, otherwise the blob will win and we will fail to deliver a key benefit of Brexit? Uh, um, Mr Speaker, I'm delighted to say that uh, we have a new Secretary of State uh, for for post-Brexit freedoms uh, and and, uh, that he is is driving a campaign to reform, repeal and replace uh, outdated uh, legislation and regulation across the board and I don't know about the blob, uh, Mr Speaker. I can think of no more uh, fearsome antagonist uh, for the blob than my right honourable friend. Yeah. Yeah. Shelbrook. Thank you. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Mr Speaker, satellite images show a 40-mile-long convoy of military hardware heading towards surrounding the cities of Ukraine. We know from Grozny what the intention of Vladimir Putin is going to be. Mr Speaker, hundreds of thousands of people are going to be murdered in these cities. 
Think of your, in this house, I would, everybody, think of your families, think of your neighbours, think of relatives you may have aboard. They are going to be murdered. Now, the Prime Minister has led the world in the reaction to what's going on, and I'm proud of what he's done. So can I ask my right and friend, I know he's probably not been to bed for a week, but can I ask him to use every second he's got remaining until this tragedy is surely going to unfold to try and prevent it from happening? Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, this was, of course, one of the subjects that I discussed uh, this morning with, uh, with Volodymyr Zelensky. And, uh, and I think to many people looking at it, if I just be quickly, Mr Speaker, they w- will wonder why it is impossible uh, to interrupt the progress of those tanks with, uh, with airstrikes or uh, from a drone, for instance, which we know that the Ukrainians have. Uh, technically, unfortunately, it turns out militarily it is not as easy as you might think, uh, Mr Speaker. And the, the tragic reality is that Vladimir Putin is going to continue to grind his war machine uh, forwards if, we, if he possibly can. That is why it is vital that we continue the military support that we are offering, and that is why it is also vital that together with the United States, with all our friends and partners in the West, we intensify and accelerate the programme of economic sanctions that is already hurting. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, London is known as the world's capital for corrupt Russian money. A hundred billion pounds a year is awash in our country. And this, the scale of this corruption couldn't happen without without what the uh, Intelligence and Security Committee uh, describe as the enablers, the lawyers, the accountants, the PR specialists, and and so on, including those who challenge our brave independent journalists for, for identifying them. The Prime Minister didn't respond fully, I think, to the honourable members from, from the Isle of Wight in terms of how he will tackle the activity of these enablers who are for too long been corrupting the rule of law in our country. Yeah. I, I thank her. Well, I, I, with great respect, Mr. Speaker, let me repeat uh, again and perhaps reinforce what I said to my honourable friend, uh, friend from the Isle of Wight. Uh, the, the, the legal profession, everybody involved in assisting uh, those who wish to hide money in London, uh, assisting uh, corrupt oligarchs, have been set on notice uh, that their actions are under scrutiny. And where they break the law, if they break the law, if they undermine the interests of this country and advance the interests of Putin's war machine, they will pay a price. Very Kelly Ford. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. In the last few days, I've been overwhelmed and heartened by the incredible response to, of my constituents to the crisis um, in Ukraine, with countless offers of accommodation and financial support for refugees. Um, but the community sponsorship route is a very slow process, and it will struggle to meet the challenge that we face. So does the Prime Minister agree with me that we need a faster and more effective route um, and a a better way of offering sanctuary to the refugees and the people of Ukraine than the the government's current proposals? I thank her very much. I know that the sympathies of the whole house are with her and what she's trying to do. Uh, and we are, we are, I talked to our Polish friends yesterday about what we can do in partnership with them uh, to bring people directly to the, to the UK who are fleeing uh, to, uh, to Poland. 
Uh, and I, I've set out for the House, as I know my right hon. Friend, the Home Secretary, has already uh, the, the, the big, big package of measures that we're putting in to help people uh, fleeing, uh, fleeing Ukraine. I just want to repeat, look at the numbers we took from uh, Afghanistan, look at the numbers of BNOs of, uh, from Hong Kong, uh, huge numbers of people uh, that have come to the UK, and I think that uh, we've settled uh, 25,000 vulnerable people uh, since 2015, uh, which is more than any other European country, so we should be proud of our record. Alexander Stafford. My grandfather, Paul Glover, was Ukrainian. He was deported by the Soviets to the gulags of Siberia. I am proud of my Ukrainian heritage, never more so than over the past week. With this plucky nation, the nation of my family has stood up the jackboot of Putin's army. I know that the world is watching the PM and our country. Will the Prime Minister give me his assurances that he will continue to look at every single possible option to ensure that Putin does the toughest range of punitive sanctions, both through financial measures, but also focusing on his inner circle? Uh, yes, Mr. Speaker, and, uh, and that's why we've begun with him and also with, uh, with Sergei Lavrov. Uh, but there is no limit to uh, what we can do on his, uh, on his regime, and we will continue to do that. Can I just echo what he said about uh, our bond, our, our debt to the Ukrainian people? Never, never forget when we stood side by side uh, with Russia uh, in the 1940s against fascism. Uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, there, was, there was a Ukrainian army. A Ukrainian contribution to that army was 10 million people, and they were absolutely invaluable in freedom as well. Angela Crawley. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Prime Minister, Scotland stands ready to welcome any fleeing Ukrainians. However, this government has failed to follow the example of the European Union of a red tape visa free approach. Will this Prime Minister commit to an unconditional, rapid, safe yeah. and legal yeah. approach to settlement for Ukrainians fleeing this invasion? Why is he failing to do so? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mr Speaker, we, the, as I have explained to the House already several times, the, the, the EU has a border-free Schengen uh, zone. It is not appropriate for them to have uh, checks of any kind. Uh, we have got a different system. Uh, it is sensible, given the situation uh, that we have and given the, uh, the, uh, the large numbers of people uh, leaving that uh, war zone, it is sensible to have uh, checks and, and to make sure Mr. Speaker, that we, we know who is coming in. Uh, but what we will not do is impede Ukrainians coming uh, in fear of their lives. This country, as I have said several times today, has a proud, proud record of taking people in. Look at what we have already done in Afghanistan. Look at the record just under my uh, premiership. Look at what we have done to help people uh, from Afghanistan. Look at, look, at, look at what we have done to help the Hong Kong Chinese. Uh, she should be proud of what the UK is doing. That ends Prime Minister's questions.